to the table? Well, a little bit of physical therapy, but I'm concerned about society and sports, racism in sports. Hey, look, I served in the military. 20 plus years in the United States Army, retired officer, three combat tours to Iraq. Now, this is when he was in his raw, raw state. I mean, meat eating, raw, rare eating, flesh, all kind of this carnivorous, this mean and scary guy. And uh, we wanted to just share with y'all, maybe even crow a little bit on where our Lakers are right now. We're with the Dodgers and the Braves, and Dodgers getting the brakes beat off of them. Win games, don't turn the ball over, and that, that's their bugaboo is turning the ball over and giving up too many points on defense. Their defense hasn't shown up yet for 2020. This episode of Take It to the House is brought to you by Mesa Trophies and Plaques. Now, take it to the house. Happy Veterans Day. I'm Lieutenant Colonel, retired C. Victor Herbin III, United States Army. I'm taking it to the house. I'm Timothy Hoover, doctor in physical therapy, retired Master Sergeant, United States Air Force. And I want to salute all you veterans out there. And we're going to take it to the house together. I'm Jamia Hoover. I am the granddaughter of two United States Air Force veterans. I am the daughter of an Air Force veteran, and I'm the sister of two Air Force officers, active duty. Much respect to everyone that has served and that is serving on this Veterans Day. I'm Jania Hoover. By day, I am a high school history teacher. I teach American history to 11th graders in addition to African-American history and racial issues in American society, elective classes. When I'm not working, I am chopping it up with these gentlemen and others about what's going on in this sports world. And what I'm taking to the house today is my Atlanta Falcons. And what I'm taking to the house is this notion that the current coach, interim, Raheem Morris, should not be considered for the job once this season is over. This is a team that started out 0-5, and not only did they lose five games straight, they found even worse ways to lose than the Super Bowl that I don't like talking about anymore. So they fired Dan Quinn two years too late, if you ask me. And Raheem Morris, former defensive coordinator, takes the job, and the Falcons now have a 3-1 and record. It should be 4-0, and except for that freakish end to that Lions game a couple weeks ago. My point is, those that say he shouldn't be considered for the job, that they need to get an, an entire new staff and everyone needs to go, obviously if aren't watching football. There are even some that say that they should tank and try to get Trevor Lawrence. I'm taking all of them to the house. Raheem Morris absolutely should be considered, seriously considered for this job. That's what I'm taking to the house. Vic, what are you taking to the house? First off, sis, I want to say welcome to the show. You kept that seat warm for you. I, I enjoy you going here already for your first shot at taking to the house, the Falcons. Raheem Morris, three and one. Three and one since, he took, since he's taken over from Dan Quinn. 
I don't understand why it's still an interim consideration. Have so many black coaches that are not given the opportunity. So when they are placed in the, in the position to perform, the first course of action they want to do is tank. I think that's upsetting. Meanwhile, you got people like Adam Gase, who had a losing record in Miami, has a losing record here in the uh, here in New York uh, for the Jets, and yet we're still wondering if Raheem Morris is halfway qualified to take the Falcons team. He already has the infrastructure in place. He has a great quarterback in Matt Ryan. He has two outstanding receivers. Julio Jones still can catch the ball and still can run. He got Calvin Ridley. They picked up Todd Gurley in the offseason. Still got a great defense. So why put him in a position where now they want him to tank for them to look at another way, another scapegoat to saying that he's not qualified for the job? Give the man the opportunity to win the job. Awesome take him to the house. I just think, again, it's another – it underscores another issue we have within the NFL where black coaches are not getting the opportunity. Black coaches, Raheem Morris, why not consider him? Corporate knowledge, being able to just sustain that corporate knowledge within the system that he's already in. Why not keep him? Can you, have you ever heard of uh, Byron Leftwich? Have you heard of Eric Bieniemy? Other black coaches, candidates to me that are very qualified. Look at what Mike Tomlinson is doing in Pittsburgh. To me, he's like the coach of the year. But you don't hear anybody talking about Tomlinson other than maybe his longevity at an outstanding, uh, with an outstanding organization, the Pittsburgh Steelers, with an outstanding ownership group. Falcons, what are you going to do? Falcons, what are you going to do? You going to pee pee or are you going to get off the pot? What are you going to do? This past week, guys, football, 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 we had some. To me, some outstanding games. We had the Rams, excuse me, we had the Bucks and Saints game. We had the Seattle Seahawks, and we had the Bills. Vic, last week we were talking about some power rankings. Did these games upset your power rankings? I know we talked about the, the Atlanta Falcons, but I'm ready to move off of them because it really, they don't deserve any more time than we've given them. But let's move on to Maybe your power rankings, maybe some, some of your candidates for midseason uh, uh, award winners. What do you guys think? What are your thoughts? And no disrespect to you, uh, Atlanta Falcon fans. <laughs> so when I look at it, I, um, I owe the New Orleans Saints a big apology. So since we are still focusing here in the NFC South, Saints, I apologize. Who that, who that nation? Yes, I, I do. I have no problem being accountable for some of my misspeaks. For some reason, over the last few weeks, my power rankings did not include the New Orleans Saints. Well, they reminded me last week. It's still their division. And if you want to get to anywhere, you need to come through us. The Saints took care of Brady twice already. And this last time, if we weren't convinced the first time that they're about business, I'm a little convinced now. I mean, he saw ghosts. He saw dead people. What did he not see? All I know right now, NFC South runs to Drew Brees. That, that team already has been in the NFC Championship game, what, a couple times in the last few years? Only get robbed by the Zebras, excuse me, the refs. So I do owe them an apology. So my power rankings had definitely shifted in the NFC. I had to put the Saints up there because the way that the Seahawks got mollywopped, <laughs> Molly Watt, again, by the Bills in the AFC East, which I think is another weak conference or weak division. 
I was, you know, I, I, I was a little, I was a little taken aback. So definitely, I had to place the Saints back in the rightful position in the NFC as the number one team to beat in the NFC South. They also have another game against the Chiefs on the 20th of December. That's probably their biggest test moving forward. Uh, the Bucks have to play the Rams and Chiefs, so we'll find out if they're really serious. So when I look at down the road, what's left, also the Packers have the Colts and Titans. So apologies again to Saint Nation, the Who That Nation. You all received from the NFC perspective, number one power rankings. Yes, yes. I have learned now to respect New Orleans Saints. Matter of fact, they tell me, they, I think they've been listening to this show, taking it to the house. I think we upset them last week and in weeks to come. They are saying, take it to the house, kiss my, yeah, that's what they're saying. So Drew Brees and the Saints, you guys, you monkey stumped uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this past week. You beat them every which way, every which way. And so I've got to respect you and what you've done. So, yeah, my power rankings will change as well. But does one game make a season? Or is this truly who you are? Green Bay, where you at? Seahawks, where are you at? What you going to do? And Tampa Bay, I was ready to crown you guys champions, Super Bowl champions. So you guys going to – it's middle of the season. We got a lot of – lots of game left. I think Tampa Bay is still trying to find themselves, but the Saints are some bad boys. So who that? You learned my respect. Jania, what say you? Man, um, obviously I um, do not necessarily enjoy that particular team. Honestly, my preference whenever other teams in the NFC South play would be for them to end in a tie. However, I am a realist and I am an appreciator of great football. And that was what I saw the other night from that team out of yeah. New Orleans. So they get my ultimate respect. And when you are talking about the playoffs and when you're talking about the long term, you want to assert yourself within that division. And the New Orleans team has definitely done that. And with that being said, I think we can move off of football and uh, let's talk about what COVID is doing to the NCAA. COVID and the NCAA, what do we have? About four games that have been canceled, rescheduled. So what do, COVID has wreaked havoc across America, across this, this world, this global, it's a global pandemic, but it certainly has affected us as fans and then as organizations, uh, the NCAA, this week, a couple games have been scrubbed. I said about four games. The problem I see is they didn't start their season early enough to be able to account for COVID to reschedule. Otherwise, it's going to be an elongated season because of these rescheduled and rescheduled games. And so we as fans, we want the game, but we need to also be concerned about life. Okay, you need to be concerned about life. And you also need to be concerned about the, the pandemic itself. And so... The pandemic, the COVID-related issues need to come before the game itself. And so I'm glad they're taking these precautions. But we asked earlier in, in, in this run, in our burns, is how they're going to pull it off. Because it's not necessarily a bubble. You know, b basketball was able to pull it off. They were going to Orlando, and they stayed in one a particular area. Baseball was able to pull it off. Soccer was able to pull it off. Hockey was able to pull it off. But when these grown men, and then, of course, 
they're 18, 19 year old, but I'm calling them men. They're, tw- they're 200, 300 pounds. And afterwards, after they play, they're going to want to get out. They're going to want to socialize. It's a college environment. What do you expect them to do? And then you got the national crisis of the rise of the pandemic itself. So it's very unfortunate as a fan that this is going on, this is happening. But as an organization, the NCAA as an organization, poor planning, in my opinion, I don't see the season being completed. And then we talked about last week, how can you, when not everybody's getting the same amount of reps, acknowledge a number one ranking or a bowl ranking or uh, a Heisman Trophy winner when this is going on. So I, I feel bad for the athletes because that's all they want to do is play the game. They just want to play the game. However, COVID is bigger than them. Yeah, I, um, I slightly disagree with you. They'll finish the season because that's what they want to do. But it's going to be quality football? No. You, you spoke about the games that were canceled. And all in total right now, it's eight games canceled, four of which in the SEC. Everyone knows NCAA football, it's SEC is the key. So now you have one of the best games this week is already canceled, LSU versus Alabama. Yes, LSU is not the team that they were last year. However, still LSU and Alabama. So it is all about a money-making opportunity for the NCAA. And I totally agree with you. When I looked at the map of the COVID crisis that's happening right now, how they're speaking of this is the winter, this is, the, this is what the ex were concerned about, the winter, because now it's going to coincide with the flu. I looked at the map of the United States and all these concentric circles, and it's so dark and red and where it's heavily populated. Guess what? Right smack dab in SEC country, right smack dab down the line for Big 12 and Big 10. So it's, it's, it's a sad. And again, I spoke about last week. We're talking about children. We're talking about young men that are trying to play the game. Why? So they can get to the league. And no one wants to impact their draft stock. No one wants to impact their opportunity for the Heisman. Yet, how are you going to create a competitive league? When the Pac-12 just started last week, and now they're on the hook for possibly postponing games. You have uh, states that are starting to have restrictions. So you're going to have restrictions that you can't go to a bar, can't go to a restaurant, yet you're going to be able to play 11 on 11 uh, bumping nuggets. This is very inconsistent. And me, I, again, I am a sports fan. However, at what risk? Because my viewership has been impacted. Do I want to watch these games this weekend when I don't even know if the starters are going to play? It, it's, it's, it's sad. And it's going to be a long-term impact across all, all leagues. My question is, what is the solution? How do we move forward? We're talking about this disease, this condition that is killing people um, and the people that it doesn't kill. Um, people are having long-term repercussions and on the one side, Vic, I'm with you. They want to play. This is a multi-billion dollar industry um, on the side of the uh, of the leaders, you know, the NCAA itself and all the money that they generate. And then, Unc, I agree with your point about the kids, the players just wanting to play and, you know, this being their shot. They may not get another one. And they, you know, are probably completely okay with taking that risk. My question is, is there a point at which the risk will um, outweigh the reward? That was an excellent question. 
does the risk outweigh the reward? And in my opinion, when you talk about life and death and severity of the illness, when you're still learning about this illness, uh, I think the risk outweighs the reward, yes. Uh, and then some of these people, you know, if, I, if, it's, if it's my child, uh, and you say earlier about their one shot, yeah, but at this risk, not worth it. No, my life, my child's life is too important. Things that we're talking about, what we have learned so far is the cardiomyopathy or the heart, just it's essentially wanting this to shut down, leading to seizures and, and dysfunction of the heart, blood circulation, obviously, um, respiratory illnesses and problems later on. To my, to my co-host's point, Vic's point, he says they're going to finish the season, but the risk will still outweigh the reward. As a fan, yeah, I want to see the games. I love seeing the games. I love seeing great competition. But we have a national problem. We have a global problem, and it is COVID. If it does affect the game, well, that's just one aspect, one small piece of it. It's going to affect more than just a game. I agree. NCAA has already made the decision on the risk versus reward, and they selected for the reward. The challenge is, as you ask this, what is the what's the workaround? What is the solution? I still propose. If you want to finish the season, it's going to be a hodgepodge. They need to work backwards. Okay, we're going to have a season. We want to have a bowl game no later than here. Well, when you have a national crisis that's happening right now, is do a league-wide buy for two weeks. Let everyone get it out their system, whatever's happening in their respective cities and states, and then resume on the field. Elongate the season. You've already made the decision that you're going to play. So it's, but it's not going to be a typical season. So we start seeing large outbreaks where you have eight teams and all eight, uh, six of the teams or five out of these teams are ranked. So these are supposed to be good games this weekend. Have a pause X, two weeks, bye, come back, play a game or two, check out the stats, how are, how are uh, the rates within their respective conferences, and keep doing that. And if you only finish seven games this season, they're finished seven games. No one said they had to finish 12 games. The NBA was able to do it a truncated season. Baseball was able to do a truncated season. No reason why uh, NCAA football can't do a truncated season. Just to say we finished a season. I got to ask. I know we're all um, have a particular affinity to, for the LA Dodgers. So while we're on the subject of COVID, I need to know your thoughts on um, the, those results on the Dodgers. Well, we saw it coming. And I'm glad that the Major League Baseball was at least transparent enough to give us the results. What was that? I believe nine positive results. Nine positive results. That, that's, that's scary. A baseball team is only nine people on a team. So had that happened on game six and it impacted the whole team, that would have shut down the whole World Series. You have momentum going on both sides. There, there's uh, uh, both teams feel they still have a legitimate shot to winning. And then you have one of your stars and Justin Turner come up positive, And now the whole clubhouse is impacted nine. And so for even knowing the impact it was after uh, he knew he was positive to come back on the, the field, to take his pictures with the trophy, that was very selfish move. He does not understand nor know if anyone has any underlying health conditions. And what particular risk it plays to those players and even those players' families? We only know nine Dodger players were impacted. We don't know how many Dodgers' families were impacted. So, again, this thing called COVID is still new. That's why they call it the novel COVID uh, virus. 
and knowing the long-term implications, it's, it's sad that they happened to the Dodgers. It's a very selfish move. Thank you, baseball, for at least letting us know the, the fallout of that because we all were looking for two weeks. Okay, what, what was the impact of that decision? So those of you who don't know, the World Series, big stage. Dodgers win game six. In the celebration, during the game, excuse me, one of the players, the third baseman, Justin Turner, is told he has COVID. They take him out of the game. Well, the Dodgers happen to win the game, win the World Series. During the celebration, he wants to come back out and celebrate. Selfish move, which my co-host is talking about, Vic is talking about. Selfish move. Now, as a result, at least nine, they're only reporting nine, maybe more. Nine people have tested positive for COVID. And I heard one of them is a civilian, so a family member. Selfish move, selfish move. Thank you, baseball, for reporting this, letting us know about this. However, Justin Turner, shame on you. Even in this moment of exaltation, uh, uh, climax to your season, after so many games with your team in the battle, you still have to think about everyone else, even in that moment, and not think about yourself. Yeah, I agree. And we've seen a lot of the negative aspects of COVID and how it's disrupted seasons. But when it comes to professional sports, there is one league that has gotten it right, and that's the NBA. So we've gotten the news that they are starting on December 22nd. So with us all being Laker fans, I know for myself, I would have preferred a later start so they could get a little more rest before they repeat, but we can't all win. What are your thoughts on that? I'm excited because I'm like, okay, run them back. Let's play again. Let's keep it going. And so the NBA is my number one sport and I'm excited for it. Yeah. There's other teams that haven't played since March. And so you had to find that happy medium. And I was listening earlier that it's really comes down to dollars and cents and they make a lot of their money, they'll be the only thing showing on Christmas. So December 22nd is the start date. I'm all for it. Let's go, lace them up, let's play again. The draft is next week. And then free agency is shortly thereafter. So the NBA is spinning it up. My question is, you get the season started, is it going to be in the bubble again? Are you going to go traveling? So you're going to put yourself in the football model, the NCAA model, and I think there's going to be more problems and at more risk for COVID. So the bubble would work, but I'm sure they don't want to do anything with the bubble. I'm excited about the start date, though. I, I'm excited as well, but I'm cautious. We praised Adam Silver earlier in the year for being able to stop midseason and redefine, repackage his product and deliver it. However, now you're going to have, what, 30 teams, 32 teams? Again, we just talked about NCAA. We're talking about the challenges that NFL. This is not the same COVID that was March. It's not the same COVID that was the summer. So I am very hesitant to praise the crown of kings again, only because there's so much unknown. And I understand that's the, again, we talked about risk versus reward. From a Laker fan perspective, I would love for them to start January. They could have started Dr. King holiday weekend and then crammed a couple more games in there. Because truth be told, there's going to be a couple games that's going to be canceled. You could want a 72 game season. But the way COVID's impacting the leagues now, there's going to be games that are canceled. So you either say, let's start and know that we're going to finish our season in August, start in January, and back it up from there. But it's exciting to have a date on the wall. But to understand teams like Miami, teams like the Los Angeles Lakers, 
that a six-week really off-season from them to start getting ready for a draft, get ready for free agency, and then get ready to tip off of 22 December. I think they really could have waited until January. They could have found a way around this thing. And the other side is how are they going to do it? You can, are they, again, how are you going to do it? I, I don't know how they're going to do a bubble that large. Is it going to be a regional bubble? i like to see if you're going to put a, a mark on the wall for 22 December, at least tell me and show me how is this going to be packaged. Because, again, my time is important. I want to watch my Lakers, but I also want to watch my full Laker lineup. I don't want to see a hodgepodge and you're throwing G League players in there. Let's play ball. But do not shortcut me because you want to put a product on TV to save money. Because I'm not watching. As we close, what is your final thought? Well, we talked about COVID. And I just want everybody to just use common sense. Follow the scientists. Please socially distance yourself. Wash your hands. Sanitize frequently. Don't take your hands to the face. Please protect, wear your mask. Protect your neighbors. Protect yourself. And if you do have signs and symptoms of, of COVID, please report it. Let somebody know. I pray for those who do have it, recovering from it, and that there's no long-term effects of it. I'm praying for you out there. So uh, to those who are COVID-free, thank goodness for you. But please, 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 bear in mind, it's a killer. It's an up. You can't see it. And I'm just praying for you and your family. Final thoughts for me. I'm really interested in... Uh, this upcoming weekend of sports. Oh, obviously, it's about a leadership thing for me. I'm really interested how these teams, how these organizations, how these leagues start rallying themselves. This is a crisis. This is where you get paid your big bucks or get paid to med- your medium bucks. This is leadership. How are you going to, again, be able to inspire your players? How are you going to protect your players? How are you going to reassure the players? How are you going to manage the mental health aspect? Because there is a lot. Because not only the players on the field that are impacted, it's the players' families that are impacted. So leagues and ownership groups that really take into account the total person and not just look at them as a commodity, but look at them as a person and what is really impacting their quality play on the field or on the court is because of what's happening in their family lives. So many people have underlying conditions. So many people have conditions that they don't even know they have. And so when you have a management team or leaders that are really expressing how much they're concerned looking at these players as people, saying, look, we're going to go play this weekend. However, I really want you all to know if you're not feeling right, I know you have a desire to play, but if you're not feeling right, talk to me as your coach. Talk to me as your manager. Talk to me. Because that's where true leadership is going to come through, and we need true leadership to lead these players and these teams and these organizations through this COVID crisis so we can have successful leagues as well as not impact our viewership. That's what I have for taking to the house. My final burn, we're bringing it back to A-T-L-A-N-T-A. And this is a subject that we actually haven't touched today. Biggest subject besides COVID-19. And that's this election. And that is the role that Georgia played in this election. So being that it is not over and I'm an educator, through and through. Anyone that is in Georgia, please make sure if you didn't vote this time, you get registered, you have until December 7th to do so, and that you do what you can to make sure that you participate and make sure that your voice is heard. Because when it comes to all of these things that we're talking about, whether it's sports and corporations and leadership, all of that comes down to 
the decisions that are made by the people that we elect to represent us in office. So the more that we have those things handled at the government level, the better able we are to sit and enjoy our basketball, our baseball, our football games as fans.